are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you're listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. For most of the continental United States, it is Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Uh, remember, remember the 5th of November. I'm sure that's something Vanny Sartini will be repeating to himself, to his therapist in the weeks to come and everything. We're recording this just after, I guess, the second and final leg of LAFC versus Vancouver Whitecaps. And we got a lot of playoff action to talk about. Joining me now, I've got Rachel Cricker and uh, Jamie Rook. Rachel, how we doing? We're doing good. We're we're going on vacation tomorrow, South Carolina. So I'm pretty excited about that to just get away for a little bit. But doing good, and you know, just surviving the chaos of of the playoffs. And of course, my uh, Seattle Sounders, as we'll get to later, they need a third game. So. Uh... Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jamie Rook. Jamie, it's a little bit late for you, but uh, happy to have you back on the pod. Um, how are things? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. And yeah, I'm surviving in another way. We've had a bit of a storm over here in the last few days. So um, coming out the back end of that. One thing I was wondering is we name our storms here. Is that something you do in America? Um, so we have them for tropical storms and for hurricanes that typically occur on the East Coast. Jamie, this would have been very confusing for most Americans, but you'll remember there was a hurricane, um, or it was a tropical storm by the time it hit the greater Los Angeles area that affected two, um, games involving LA Galaxy and LAFC. Um, and so it was tropical storm Hillary that then at one point was a category four. There's five categories, five being, five being the most extreme, one being lower. But in terms of just like thunderstorms, I suppose, I don't think that we have that for, um, a torrential downpour that you would get in the Midwest in the summer, or I don't know, Rachel, Pittsburgh gets a lot of rain, right? The, the, just a, a large rain cloud that just has lightning. Normally we don't have that. The other types of weather events, however, um, we do have Rachel, what was, or, um, Jamie, what was the name of the storm? Um, so it was storm Kieran with a C because we do it alphabetically. So you have a, a C and then a D and then an E. So we're working our way through. We had a B last week, and now we had a C this week for Kieran. Okay, that's that's very similar to how they name hurricanes then. So they also go alphabetically. Mm-hmm. I think they alternate in terms of boy-girl versus um, uh, versus yeah. uh, a male, a typically male name versus a typically female name. I don't know how they deal with Jordan and everything. I don't think the people who decide hurricanes have dealt with the uh you know have dealt with non-binaries and the transgender community in that regard and um a hurricane is immediately removed off of the list once there is a single recorded loss of life as a result of that tropical storm or that hurricane um listener for the non-longtime listeners of the podcast uh, i'm an alumnus of the university of miami we are the miami hurricanes and so i'm very familiar with this i dated many a girls who were at the rosensteel school for marine and atmospheric sciences so i know many about these things but as opposed to turning this into a weather podcast let's get to the real thing that was dark and stormy um guys i think we have to start with what we just watched where lafc got a one nil victory over Vancouver Whitecaps on a very shoddy penalty for me that was converted by Dennis Bowanga. And then right at the death in stoppage time, Vancouver had a dangerous opportunity on a set piece. And I can't remember which player, but they were at the top of the box. They ran into the referee. 
we call out referees by name, both good and bad in here. So this is Timothy Ford, who was at the top of the box, who was uh, had a really good box out of the Vancouver payer, player, which then spurred a counterattack with the goalkeeper up for the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then they ended up putting the ball in the back of the net. The play came back because... Uh, it was offside, but Vanny Sartini was sent off for descent, stepping on the field, possible verbal and hand motion abuses towards the officiating and everything. He comes out afterward. He's shaking hands. He's an absolute legend as far as the Vancouver Whitecaps are concerned. Um, Rachel, how do we make sense of this? Number one. Number two, LAFC have defeated Vancouver. I thought Vancouver were a fun team. Um, and MLS officiating continues to befuddle me, even in the playoffs. Matt, you silly goose. We don't we don't make sense of things like this. We we don't we don't make sense of things like this. Um, first off, Sartini getting sent off and then just absolutely hyping up the crowd was like one of the best things that I've ever seen. Like like my boyfriend just texted me and was like, Oh my gosh, Portland, Portland just lost to Gotham, like chaos ball. And I was like, No, Vancouver LAFC was chaos ball. Like <laughs> it was yeah, it was nuts. And I mean I, th- I think Vancouver was pretty much in it the whole time. I think they limited um, LAFC to, to some pretty menial chances. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I, I saw the replay on the penalty kick. So, um, I mean, I'm iffy about it. Like, I can see it both ways. Um, but I- I'm glad that the uh, the offside call was, was caught on the potential second goal there for LAFC. And, you know, time was waning down, but there was still a couple more minutes left for Vancouver. But... Yeah, it was just a bummer to see Vancouver lose this game. I mean, not not to be the the Western Conference hater for everyone that is in Seattle, but just like I'm I'm ready to see you know some of the underdogs take it. Um, and Vancouver is one of the ones that I I had some hope for. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely chaos ball at the end there. And I do have to wonder. I don't know that LAFC was. I think they were very convincing in the first leg at home. I don't know that they were super convincing tonight, but I do have to wonder. You're getting goals from Dennis Bowanga now. I do think the defense has been a little bit better. Are they starting to? I think LAFC are a dangerous team in the Western Conference. The longer they hang around, in ways that I think we were, in which people probably would have looked at them as being kind of on the down, and Vancouver on the up. We'll talk about two teams on along I seventy about that later. Uh, Jamie, England doesn't have any controversies when it comes to VAR at all, as we all know. Um, what did you make of the officiating? What did you make of ultimately Vancouver's swan song in the 2023 season? Exactly as you say, yeah, I feel like watching MLS normally is, a, is an escape for me from VAR discussions that go on for hours and hours. We've got the Arsenal-Newcastle drama from yesterday, which no one has really come to a conclusion of. And then, yeah, you had the for me, what just wasn't a penalty in the slightest, I think, fair enough, the attack is going to play for the contact, but there's a gap there which he can't plausibly fit through and he just he makes a jump. Yeah, there's like a bit of contact, but in general, I just I don't think it's a penalty and it's a shame to see Vancouver's um, playoff hopes wiped out from one moment, really, because whereas maybe they obviously weren't able to put the ball in the back of the net themselves, to have one penalty, which most people would agree wasn't a penalty to decide the game, feels feels like it's not really justice. And then, yeah, with all the drama again with Vanni Sartini playing the the pantomime villain again, it's it really is like peak MLS just to watch him, yeah, throwing his hands up and kicking the advertising boards as he walks off 
just he's just really playing up to the crowd. I think he's a good figure to have around, and the playoffs would be worse without him now. Absolutely agree with you on all accounts, Jamie. My frustration with the penalty call, you've got the two defenders in there. One of them's Tristan Blackman, who clearly pokes the ball away before Mario Gomez has any contact. Um, I can't remember offhand. So much stuff happened in this game. My, my brain is mush right now, listeners. Uh, so I can't keep track of who the defender was who actually made the contact. But that's my main complaint is that if the, if from the moment Tristan Blackman wins that ball and then plays it back to the goalkeeper, then every single player in the box, with the exception of of the goalkeeper and Mario Gomez disappear into a cloud of smoke. There's no scenario for me there where Mario Gomez is getting the ball first. That's why it's not a penalty for me. Um, Timothy Ford is allowed to disagree um, in that regard. I will remember this in a year's time when I am voting for referee of the year amongst other awards. So I'm um, disappointing, but I, I agree with you, Jamie. I think Vandy Sartini has been a real character. It was almost like a dub. It, it almost turned into a WWE scene as well. Cause he was like, you know, he was like, begrudgingly being escorted off of the field and as like the crowd was cheering him and then he comes back out and everything so if there's if i'm a ironically there is no wall there is no game left for the vancouver whitecaps to play but if somehow if they came out into this game i'm running through a wall for vanny sartini you know 10 a.m training recovery session tomorrow morning and going into that third leg game you know absolutely ready to spit spit nails and breathe fire um, let's move on. I guess we'll tackle these in reverse chronological order then. Um, the uh, afternoon game that we had from today was Sporting Kansas City getting a 2-1 victory over St. Louis City. And they've officially won the uh, I-70 Derby, I-70 Showdown that you had. Uh, goals from Ndembe and Shallowy and then a goal, um, a shot crossed that ended up sneaking in from Pooh, Pompeu um, in that. Um, Rachel, what do we make of this one? You've mentioned being the... Um, the Western Conference hater outside of Seattle. I think for me, this was a confirmation that Kansas City were on the up in towards the end of the season and St. Louis were certainly on the down. St. Louis had a fantastic regular season, but there's something to be said for playoff experience and going through that, both wins and losses in ways that Kansas City, New England, Seattle have in ways that certainly St. Louis City did and their newness to the playoffs and the naivete I think was present in this series, particularly in Lake One. All right, so I'm going to have a riddle for you guys. What do St. Louis and Pittsburgh have in common? They lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had a little uh, PTSD watching this one. Um, Kansas City, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a huge testament to Peter Vermees. I've, I've always, you know, as much as, you know, Seattle and uh, Kansas City go back and forth and back and forth and and there really is a rivalry there it's not just Seattle Portland um, I've always appreciated the work that Peter Vermees does I think he's a great coach um, and their 2022 is a really awful season they started out 2023 uh, like you said Matt with just a rush a rough stretch of games um, not really finding their their footing they've gotten some players coming back from injuries um, which has been super helpful for them and yeah, I mean, when in doubt, Shallowy is going to score, um, and, and he's just kind of like their utility man and and kind of the go to guy for for Sporting Kansas City. So um, they were they were so dominant in the first leg, um, in the first leg of their match. Which uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was in St. Louis. Which I mean, we we've seen the the images and and the the crowd shots and everything. That's definitely not an easy place to play. So for Kansas City to go in and take care of business um and then 
you know, come back to their field and, and, you know, lead the series to nothing since it's best of three and, and move on. Um, I think it's a huge, huge confidence boost. They're taking down um, the number one team in, in St. Louis, but uh, I, I don't think that this, it, it's funny because um, I, I have to, you know, kick myself here. Cause I, I said, when Pittsburgh lost, like this is a huge failure for the season. I mean, for you to win the shield and then, you know, do this is, is it, it's not great. And, Granted, St. Louis didn't win the Shield, but they were pretty darn close to it. They topped the Western Conference. Um, being an expansion side kind of gives them a little bit of a free pass um, to say that, yes, this still is a very successful season for them. Um, I think they're heading in the right direction. Carnell is, is an amazing coach um, and has really just just lit, lit, lit the team and lit the city up. Um, but, yeah, this is a great rivalry, and I'm glad we got to see it in the playoffs and um, sporting Kansas City with a very deserved win. St. Louis City FC invented losing to Sporting Kansas City in a three-leg series in the 2023 MLS Cup playoffs. That, for certain, we can say that they've invented, Rachel, despite what certain St. Louis City fans seem to forget about. I don't know, Seattle or Atlanta or, well, since St. Louis at times, as well as Seattle, Rachel, have claimed that they invented soccer. Um, I think there's a club um, uh, up in... Um, totally blanking on the city in the north of London that has the blades and has in Sheffield, uh, Sheffield FC would have, would like to have a word about inventing football. Um, but um, I, I think St. Louis city for their first year, I think you have to say mission accomplished regardless of, you know, I think, I think I remember hearing the stat on the broadcast, correct, that they're the first expansion team to win their regular season conference in professional men's sports history in the United States. So you account for, all of the expansion teams that we've seen in the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, MLS. I'm not sure if they're including the ABA or the other various leagues that they've had in that. Um, but just, you know, that stat is absolutely fantastic. They have a great stadium. They have a great team. Um, I think they should be a playoff team next year. They certainly have a great foundation. But to um, your point, Rachel, I think the experience that we've seen from Peter Vermees and his squad in situational soccer, situational football, that bore out in ways that I think St. Louis was a better regular season team. But now they've learned what it's like when you not when you're not peaking at the right time of the year. Jamie, let's come over to you for Sporting Kansas City. Um, they're going to be a road team for a lot of the, if not all of the games that they have going on left. Um, but is this now a dangerous team? Have they become a lower seeded monster that other teams should be fearing, given their their history and their pedigree? Dangerous, yeah, that definitely is one way to to describe them. When you look at um the two lineups on this game. You mentioned it earlier about having that playoff experience with that attacking quartet, you could say, of Kinder joining the front three of Russell, Pledo and Shallowy. They had they've got such experience there in this league and further afield and it definitely showed in this game Kinder was able to pull the strings and every time they got Russell the ball he had such good controls in those tight spaces as he always does. And I just think even the better defences in the league are going to struggle Coming up, coming up against these highly technical and highly experienced players, it is one of those things where they're all, they're all um coming into the latter years. I think um Shallow is the youngest and he must be twenty seven. I think so. They're they're definitely getting into the the latter years of all their careers, where it's a case of if they are gonna win a cup or two, that it's gonna have to be done here and now. And I genuinely don't think. I don't think there it would be stupid to say they could go all the way because, as you said, they're they're a team that's on the up and up, and 
with obviously a very experienced coach as well. We've seen in playoffs in various sports in the US that it is sometimes just about having that momentum where as opposed to dominating throughout the regular season, which can make the difference. And um, yeah, they scored four on the road in the first game against St. Louis. So why can't they do that against any other team? I would be, I wouldn't want to play SKC, that's for sure. And the one big concern you should have right now at Sporting Kansas City is the health of Johnny Russell. I think it was a groin issue and then soreness. He was going through a lot, played through some pain, a decision day, obviously, you know, played certainly injured or at the very least he had a knock, I would say, visibly in both of these two playoff games. I know I, I don't know that we have the schedule because with the way that the reseeding is and everything. So in the same way where I think LAFC is a team become more dangerous in terms of the playoffs, the longer that they hang around, I think the longer that SKC are able to prolong their playoff run, the more time you have for Johnny Russell to get healthy. That's kind of the one missing piece that you have. Alan Polito, he's back, um, like you said, Jamie, Daniel Shallowy, obviously firing. I think the defense has certainly been much improved. Midfield, I think they're totally fine. Um, but Russell's kind of the one weakness that you have going on here, in which the, in which case I don't know that other teams, particularly in the Western Conference, have their main um, veteran attacking pieces that are hurt, that are as critical to their team. Uh, continuing in reverse chronological order, Rachel, I'm just going to throw it to you. 2-0 win for Seattle Sounders. FC Dallas looking as impotent and not producing XG or finishing their opportunities at all in the first leg. And then they put up a three spot on Seattle. And we're going back to Seattle for leg three. How do you feel? Um, I feel I feel good knowing that they're going back to Seattle. Um, for some reason, this team can't win in Dallas. And Dallas has always kind of been that kryptonite for Seattle. Um, I joke with the um, the Pitt women's soccer assistant coach, Ben Waldron, because he used to coach within the academy there. And I'm like, oh, great. It's another one of the Ben Rachel Darby. It's like we always get Seattle, um, Seattle and, and FC Dallas. Um, but I mean, I don't know what it, excuse me, I don't know what it was on, on Saturday night, but I think Nuhu just had a really off game. I mean, he... He was not defending the way he usually does. Um, I thought Yaimar was a little shaky as well. Um, Stefan Fry, not much you can do with uh, Ariola's goal. And then a penalty kick is a penalty kick. Those are tough to save. Um, letting in one in the 89th minute after Jordan Morris opens up uh, the second half with, with a goal to kind of give you some life um, doesn't really bode well. But I think Seattle can take a little bit of solace knowing that they are going back home. Um Robert Rusnak scored in that first game, and I've always, I, I've always been happy to see him on the score sheet because I, I felt like he has been underwhelming since he's come to Seattle. Um, and then Jordan Morris, of course, getting getting a goal as well, and um, yeah, just you know relying on those big players to come up and make big plays. Uh, Nico Ladero, he's confirmed that this is his last season in Seattle, so you know he wants to go out with a bang. Um, and and I think you know with St. Louis out. Seattle was the number two team. There's going to be a lot of eyes on them. Um, this is obviously a big one for them making it back to the playoffs uh, when in 2022 they didn't make the playoffs. So this is going to be a big one for Seattle, but them being at home, I feel a little bit more, more confident with that fact. Jamie, I'll throw it to you for a prediction. Um, who do you have? Who do you see advancing in the series? Honestly, it is a difficult one to call. Bear in mind, I think... Ahead of that second game, I would have put a lot of money on Seattle getting it done in two games. I think the 
the loss of Velasco so early on in that first game with that obviously awful injury, I would have just thought that took all the took all the steam out of Dallas in both the first game and then seeing the likes of Ferreira and Obrian unable to really spark much and missing some good chances in the first game. I just didn't expect them to be able to recover for that second game. But then you see Ferreira obviously getting on the score sheet and um uh Kamungo um getting in back into the lineup and performing well again. So I think Dallas are a very strong team and they will have a lot of a lot of defences worried when someone like Ferreira can get firing. But I just think on paper and in general Seattle are the better side. It obviously hasn't been the most the most ideal year for them. They've not been at their dominant best as we've seen in years gone by, but they still have the firepower all over the pitch. And I do think yeah it's difficult to to look past Seattle to advance beyond Dallas in this one. I think it's I think it's Seattle in this one. Um, I don't know that it'll be... I think it'll be a close game from a scoreline standpoint, but at this point, it's just about surviving and advancing. So I'll take 1-0 to Seattle in this one. Um, how about... Um, Jordan Morris scores. How about that? Um, Rachel, you think uh, you think Seattle gets it done, or are you, are, you, are you concerned on this one? No, I think Seattle gets it done. I think we get um, another 2-0 two, two match at home. Um I think Jordan Morris, like you said, finds his uh, finds himself on the score sheet. And then for the sake of chaos, I love a good defenseman goal. So give me a, a Yaimar header on a corner kick. Okay, if you had said a Nuhu goal, Rachel, I would have been concerned. The world almost ended when Nuhu scored as the uh, I I okay, Rachel. Over under, how long do you think the Sounders Twitter admin like had that meme ready with them? Are we are we talking months? Was it potentially a year? I mean, I think it was like somewhere around 18 months okay um more of that's a comment on Nuhu not scoring than it is other stuff but in any case um we won't spend a whole lot on this next series as um harvey cruz is obviously not with us tonight but uh fc Cincinnati he does advance they had a thorough victory dismantling of new york red bulls uh just go look at the lucho Costa goal in transition that ultimately sealed that game um, and then it was an eight to seven win in penalties on this one. I don't know that I was horribly shocked on this one. Maybe um, uh, maybe the more convincing result would have been Cincinnati to get it done in two 90 minute performances rather than needing to go to penalties for the second one. But they certainly look the part. And once again, I think it's very clear that New York Red Bulls have a very high floor and a very low ceiling when it comes to. Major League Soccer. Uh, Jamie, what did you make of the series as someone who covers the Eastern Conference? Are FC Cincinnati as much a threat to win the Cup as they were Supporter Shield champions? Yeah, FC, FC Cincinnati are quite a, a scary team to watch given the development they've gone for over the last few years from being a perennial wooden spoon team and someone that no one was particularly interested in watching to the point where now they've got some of the best players in the league, particularly someone like you said, Lucho Acosta, who can pretty much do it all going forward. Um, yeah, I don't. I think pretty run of the mill across the whole tie. Obviously, yeah, Cincinnati the the Shield team, and then Red Bulls just about made it into the playoffs. I think you would have been. Um, not many people would have expected anything else but Cincinnati to get it done. And then, yeah, it really, is a case of who's going to stop them. They've got the ability to go all the way up and down the field. Um, one thing that could be interesting is I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, Miazga might be suspended for the first game of the next series to do with the yellow cards because of 
whatever those, I didn't actually watch his game, but something to do with those celebrations and the penalties or something stupid like that, which um, uh, Pat Newman's, uh gave him a slap on the wrist for. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it'll be a loss for them, but they're still such a good side that whoever they come up against in the East, they're good enough to beat. I think Philly are the only team that could maybe give them some problems, and even then I'd probably back Cincinnati to get the job done. Yeah, we'll certainly see. I do think the fact that um the fact that the format at this point now goes to single game elimination, but then also with the higher seeded team getting to host as well creates a little bit there there's an opportunity for noise with it being a single game series rather than a three game series. But now Cincinnati knows they're home the rest of the way, having advanced out of this. They do not have to play another road game. There's no two leg ties, there's no three leg ties in this the rest of the way. And we've seen how good that they've been in their home stadium let's move on to for me what was the series that i was the most excited about from uh this round of the playoffs and that was columbus crew against atlanta united wonky format here i'm not sure if it's because of the venues because of when the falcons were playing games or just because apple tvs decided to spread out so many of these games on days in which they're not competing with some of the other major sports in the united states but you had this past wednesday a 2-0 win for columbus in their home first leg a brace from Cucho Hernandez in that one. And then they will play this upcoming Tuesday. And then if a third game is needed, um, we would be back in Columbus on, no, uh, that's Tuesday, November 7th. And then we would be back in Columbus on uh, Sunday, November 12th. Uh, but Rachel, we'll, we'll throw it to you first. Um, what did you make of this series initially? And then a comprehensive win from Columbus. What, does, what can Atlanta do to uh, extend this to a third game? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we had this conversation with uh, our good friend Dan Sperry and Harvey Cruz the other, uh, just a few hours ago in a, in a group chat, but I think Columbus is kind of that sneaky team right now that has been, like it's they've been looking really good in, in their competitions, and listen, Atlanta is no cakewalk of a team at all, so it's a difficult um, task to, to go down there and, and to get a result. Um, I think Columbus... I think they just need to keep keep doing what they're doing and uh, honestly just feeding it to Hernandez. I think he's been just absolutely lethal for them down the stretch and he's really turning it on when he needs to. Um th- these two teams have been pretty even when it comes to, uh, to blah, 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 blah. when it comes in terms of possession. Um really it's just right down the middle. I was looking um at the box score a little bit today and Columbus I think only had like close to 51% of possession and, and Atlanta was like 49 point something. I mean, it was, it was really darn close. So, um, this, this game is not going to be one where you see, um, just one team like taking it to the other and, and scoring a bunch of goals. You're going to see a lot of battling in the midfield, um, in particular and, and probably not a lot of shots. Um, but it's going to be a really gritty game. And I, I think that, just think that Nashville, or, excuse me, not Nashville, Columbus, my goodness, that Columbus is going to be the one that comes out on the end um, of it. And to get that result down in Atlanta would be really, really huge because just like St. Louis, um, if not more than St. Louis, um, Atlanta's atmosphere is just absolutely electric. Yeah, we'll see what things look like on a Tuesday night, certainly for that. Uh, Jamie, handicap for this one, you know, what do you see in the series? What do you think would be the result? The obvious thing to look at from that first game from an Atlanta perspective was 
the absence of um, Thiago Amada and uh, he's back for the second game in front of the home fans and it is a team job but at the end of the day he has to be there he has to be the difference maker and it it wouldn't again wouldn't surprise me if he he did what he's been doing all season and come up coming up with those clutch moments when you've got him and um Jack and Rackers on the pitch together I do think um especially in front of the home fans yeah that Atlanta can be a dangerous team I'm not really expecting much for them in terms of the race to get to MLS Cup and to win it but I do think they'll at least be able to take Columbus to a third game I will expect them to to get a couple of goals in front of the home fans and um, they do have some solid pieces in and around their star men and it's just obviously the future what the future holds for Armada whether he um, moves on sooner rather than later. I will agree with you Jamie that I think this is going to be a three legs um, affair and I do think it will be Columbus that ends up advancing out of this. I think Thiago Armada coming back for that second leg and certainly Atlanta playing at home is going to be a big boost for them. If I were to compare and contrast these teams and everything, while Cucho Hernandez is the focal point of the attack and creates goals, I just think that um, that Columbus is just much more stable in terms of how they are defensively. Jonathan Nagby and Aiden Morris in the midfield. So not a, this isn't, uh, I'm nitpicking, I'm picking at straws here. I'm aware of that. But in these sorts of playoff games, that's what you have to do. And that is what can often be a result in that regard. And so I think Columbus is a better team Whereas I think Atlanta does have, if I were to just pick, you know, in terms of raw talent or raw star power that you have in this series. Now with Almada back, I would argue that Atlanta has two of the best, has two of the top three. Kucha Hernandez in the middle, Tiago Almada, number one. And now newcomer of the year, uh, Gianu Makis, who I assume narrowly beat out um, Inter Miami's Lionel Messi for that award. Um, I do not think Tiago Almada will be MVP. I do think he will finish second or third in that voting. So I do think Atlanta gets the result in this one, but I think Columbus overall is the better team, is the more cohesive team, and that can make a difference when you're able to negate the other um, opposing team's stars. And then on top of that, just the what we've seen the um, when, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's a slight increase in terms of between the regular season and the postseason for home teams getting results as well. So, um, I do think that this, I do think these three leg series definitely still favor the higher seeded team, and that is Columbus, who are also the better team for me. Um, with that, let's move on. A game that was played this past Monday, because again, these this format is super wonky. Orlando City getting a one nil victory over Nashville, and that was a golazo that was scored by uh, Cartagena in that one. Um, Rachel is the former Florida resident that we have in, um, this, in the room. Um, what do we make of this game? And I, I don't know what to make of the series cause I don't trust Oscar Freja teams in the playoffs. And at the same time, while I think Gary Smith is still a very good defensive coach, they were missing Dax McCarty in that first leg. And I just still think attacking wise, they're so reliant on Hani Mukhtar. I don't think either of these teams have the recipe to go very far in these playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I am a perpetual Nashville believer. I just, I, there's something about, I just really want Gary Smith to get a trophy and to get a title. Um, But yeah, I, I think that every team knows about Hani Mukhtar and obviously are going to double, even triple team him at times. Um, I, I think that they definitely need to find that person to kind of alleviate the pressure a little bit. Um, And like you said, Matt, they, they just don't have that right now. 
Um, but with Orlando, I don't think that they're as dominant, um, excuse me, as some other teams. Getting a win in, in at home is a good deal, obviously. Um, I'll be impressed if they get a win on, on the road in Nashville, just another really tough environment to play in. Jamie, Atlanta seems highly dependent upon uh, Tiago Amada, and their success will be dependent upon his success. Is Nashville, in terms of this three-leg tie, too dependent on Hani Mukhtar? I think it's 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 hard it's hard to not say yes to that. He is the focal point. Everything has gone through him over the past year or two. You've obviously seen CJ Spong and Randall Leal have their have their high moments and be able to chip in and have a good run of games, but in general there's never really been another outlet there. And um as a um keen fan of the championship, particularly now my Plum Fargal playing in it. Uh, I've never really enjoyed watching Sam Sarge play, and I'm not sure from an English point of view he's particularly superb. But then I've been surprised with what I've seen from him in MLS. So I do think he could be able to, maybe in a more long-term sort of point of view, make a difference and be that that player that can take some of the pressure off Mokhtar's shoulders. But for the time being, yeah, I'm not sure uh, you can really get it done without Mokhtar and then. On the flip side, you see Orlando have um, Duncan Maguire and Fecundo Torres, and they have other attacking players that can contribute. And I think that's what it could come down to. And um, I wouldn't be surprised again. The home advantage is so big that if this does go to a to a three legged uh, tie, but yeah, Orlando just have um, more pieces that can contribute. They're not over reliant on one player, so I will have to to give it to Orlando in three games again. As we, I think now's a good time given how far we're moving backwards chronologically with the playoff games that have been played to talk about the format. Full disclosure, listeners, I have been, as soon as this playoff format was announced, like I was immediately a hater of it, to be honest. I think the single game elimination was set up really well to where every single game mattered and had that intensity from the off in ways that I think games at times have not had that. Obviously, the second leg automatically is an elimination game because if the team that wins the first leg then gets a win in 90 minutes then it's an elimination game but you already would have had that through a two-leg tie i think it's very clear that the format that they had it set up apple wanted more games to show on their platform and mls wanted the increased revenue by ensuring that every single playoff team outside of the a loser of the wild card potentially got a playoff game and so i think that was detracted to the quality of the soccer and the um, balance and integrity of the competition um, in favor of what worked for MLS uh, at the highest level from a commercial standpoint. And so if we're just talking about this three leg series that we have in everything, you're talking about teams played teams will have <clears throat> played their first leg and then other clubs will have played their second leg before that second leg occurs. Columbus and Atlanta again has a wonky situation. Not sure if that was due to um, some issues that they had with the venue and everything, but you're talking about, um, they played on Wednesday, November 1st. They'll be playing again um, Tuesday, two days from now at time of recording, and then they would finish up on Sunday. They would be the last game leg, game of that three-leg series. So I don't like the – not only do I not like the format that they have, but the <clears throat> spreading out of the games while I can understand not having simultaneous kickoffs of playoff games going on 
simultaneously just the imbalance that you have in terms of the schedule to where there's some teams that win their second game, they're going to have more than two weeks off and other teams that um, from a formatting standpoint are potentially going to have to go immediately in despite starting that playoff structure late. Um, And so I I don't get this. I don't think that it's good for the sport. I think the only thing that's really good, Jamie, I know this might not be particularly pertinent to you, is that with the format and structure having so many midweek games, then you move off of those weekend games in which on Saturdays, largely at this time of the year, um, MLS would be competing with college football and then the NFL on Sunday. I realize um, there's a Monday game, there's a game tomorrow that doesn't help you with that in terms of Monday night football. Um, Rachel, what do you make of the wonkiness? Have you enjoyed the chaos or are you a hater just like me and the athletic and everybody else? Yeah, I'm definitely a hater. I think it's just a a little bit tedious to have a best of three series. Um, and and really it's not like, I try to look at things as, as being as, as fair as possible. And when you do go to that three game, um, it's just kind of, I I get the seating, but also, you know, for example, Seattle, Dallas, and then you're going to go back to Seattle. Um, so I think it definitely could have been better. I saw a tweet the other day that was like, um, it was like, there really isn't a perfect playoff format for this league. So that's why it keeps changing constantly. Um, and, and I think there is definitely some truth to that. But I mean, in the past, this is probably the worst of, of the um, of the decisions in, in, in the playoff formats. Yeah, I think the, the big thing for me is the fact that you don't have consistency between each and every round. I think if they if MLS wanted to go back to saying that we wanted to ensure that every single team in every single round got a home playoff game, then I think you do a two-leg series rather than a one-game. The one-game wild card, I could stay with that, but then do two legs the rest of the way rather than the three and then single game elimination. Um, Jamie, as a Brit who fantasizes about Plymouth Argyle winning at Wembley in a promotion playoff or in a check-a-trade trophy or something like that, um, is this an escape or something different from you to where it is interesting and novel and therefore has value or are you with us on the insanity i think i think i'd have to fall somewhere in the middle to be honest i think in my six or seven years of following mls now it feels like no two years have been the same there's been a change every year in some shape or form obviously there was various changes to do of mls is back in covid which is a different matter entirely but no i think i've definitely enjoyed it so far um Having watched the Revs perform how they did against Philly once, I don't really have to put up with it. Don't really want to have to put up with that again because that first game was painful enough. But no, in general, I've, I've enjoyed it. But, um, I think in European football as well, there's been a, a debate about whether these players are, there's too much being demanded of them. And particularly in the US with how far you have to travel for these games, even if you are staying on one half of the country the players' welfare has to be taken into account and having to play extra games and all the travel, I do think it, there has to be a limit. But no, at the same time, I have enjoyed seeing these games and I do quite like the fact that after 90 minutes it goes straight to penalties. I do think that is quite an interesting thing they've added in, which hopefully we'll see more of in the next few days. Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on this game as it's uh, this game will be over within 24 hours of recording this podcast. So at best, listeners, you're probably listening to us on the day of this second leg. Uh, but it's Houston Dynamo versus Real Salt Lake. It was a 2-1 victory for the Dynamo, Hector Herrera and Bossy scoring. And then it was Diego Luna who scored for RSL. That second leg will be back in 
Salt Lake. I'm taking Houston in this one over the course of the series, though I do think it will be a three-game, a three-leg affair. I think RSL is very good at home, and they'll get the result. But then I think Houston is um, very similar to Sporting Kansas City, one of the more dangerous teams that you have based on their style of play and how they finished the season and being much improved under Ben Olsen in the first year. Rachel, give me who you got and why and how many games. I'm going to play devil's advocate and go um, Houston in two games. Um, I think the fighting Ben Olsons get it done at the riot. Um, yeah, I just think that the turnaround for this team under under Ben Olsen has just been absolutely stellar. And give me Hector Herrera with, with two. Jamie, who you got, how many games, and why? I wanna, I wanna say it does go to those three games. So I'm gonna have to agree that Houston do probably get it into um, the absence of Chicho Rongo for ourselves. Does feel as if they're just quite a blunt force in attack now, and um, got someone like Danny Masolski who can come in off the bench, but they're not hugely inspiring, I don't think. And whilst RSL teams of years gone by that have made it into the playoffs haven't done so by scoring lots and lots of goals, I just think yeah. This Houston team have really kept going up and up level and really impressing. I do think they will um, deal with RSL even on the road. I do think if RSL, uh, you know, advances, it certainly won't be. To, to your point, Jamie, will not be particularly convincing from an advanced analytics standpoint. Not that that's something that Pablo Mastroeni cares for. So I think it'll be a lot of guts, a lot of defense, and then trying to break in the counter. Um, and that's something that's been effective for. RSL at times and allowed them to outplay um, the level of talent that they're running up against. We'll see what happens in this one. But we'll move on to the last of these three lake series that we're going to. Jamie, you've had a lot of time, to, as you just mentioned, to stew on New England Revolution's 3-1 defeat in that first leg against Philadelphia. How are you feeling, or is this not just the culmination of everything that's fallen out for the Revs since the Bruce Arena news broke? Yeah, it really has been a... Uh, uh the worst roller coaster ride imaginable in these last few months from the highs of being second in the in the east and looking as if second was ours for the taking with obviously Cincinnati being way ahead in the distance and everything's happened, gone from bad to worse and even worse than that. And then the the last few games before the playoffs weren't particularly inspiring. Obviously beating Philly on decision day was a sordid result in itself. But um yeah it almost felt more realistic what happened in the the first game of these playoffs. The first half an hour or so was pretty unenjoyable to watch. It was so demoralising what was happening. Um, obviously all compounded with Carlos Hill going off injured. Um, that's one advantage, I'd say, from a revolution point of view, is the fact that it's going to be nearly two weeks between those games is that Hill has as long as possible to to recover and be back amongst it. And um, Klimpier said he does expect heel to be available, which is very good because without him, the Revs are really going to struggle. And I think even with him, they'll struggle to do much. Um, at home, I, I think they'll score a couple of goals, but the defence has just been quite hit and miss. Um, obviously, goalkeeper issues, um, Dwan Jones in and out of the side and centre-back issues as well. There's, there's so much to talk about with the Revs. And yeah, I just think, I want to say, I'll say Philly in three, but realistically, I think it'll be Philly in two. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I have to agree with you, Jamie. Um, and again, another wonky playoff schedule that you have, folks. Um, I have to assume associated with just the rev sharing a venue with 
um, the NFL's New England Patriots. Uh, but you've got the second leg for New England um, will be on Wednesday, November 8th. And then if the third game is necessary, they will be back in Philadelphia on Sunday, the um, 12th. So like Jamie said, almost two weeks between leg one and leg two. And then a quick turnaround of what um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So three days between um, the second leg and the third leg if it's necessary. Rachel, can you speak some optimism, some hope in the New England Revolution, or are they doomed? I'm going to go with what Jamie said. I think they're doomed. I have not been able to watch much of them, um, so I'm going to trust the expert here. <laughs> okay, um, I think that does it for most of our um, uh, most of our uh, MLS roundup that we certainly want to talk about. Um, Rachel, I want to throw it to you for any. Well, so news, obviously, um, you know, we just had the NWSL semifinals you alluded to earlier. Um, we had Gotham City defeating uh, Portland Thorns, the defending champions in stoppage time on the road. And we have a new U.S. women's national team head coach. Rachel, talk to us. Yeah, the um, I'm going to start real quick by just shouting out um, O.L. Rain. Of course, we're, we're recording as this game is happening, but they just scored. So. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but it was Pittsburgh's own Veronica Latsko. I love to see, um, native Pittsburghers doing amazing things. Um, she's awesome. I've gotten the opportunity to talk to her multiple times. Um, just a really, really awesome person. So glad to see all the success that she's been having in, in the playoffs for OL Reign. But yeah, um, go, going real quick with the NWSL, it, the, everybody wants, uh, O.L. Rain versus Gotham because it would be uh, Megan Rapino versus Ashley or Allie Krieger in the um, in their sendoff games. Um, so that would be a pretty incredible uh, final to market, uh, let alone actually watch um, Gotham's turnaround from um, from the last couple years and just last year to, to this year has just been amazing. Um, Dan Sperry and I have talked about it multiple times that um, yeah, for me, Juan Carlos Amoros is, is certainly a coach of the year candidate. Um, and, and in my opinion, I think he should win or, or should have won. I can't remember if they named, uh, the awards already. I think Tweed might've won, um, for Angel City. Um, but there also should be a GM of the year award and that would go to Yale Avery Bush. Um, and she has just loaded up this team with tons of talent. Um, so if it does happen to be, uh, OL Reign and Gotham, it would be a really, really good final um, in San Diego. Um, but yeah, for the national team, Emma Hayes has been, uh, it's the, the ink hasn't dried on the paper yet, but it's pretty much across the finish line from um, what Equalizer is reporting, what our good friend Jonathan Tannenwall is reporting. Um, it's pretty much all across the finish line. But for me, I love the hire. Um, it's nice to get somebody uh, away from the NWSL and um yeah, Europe is growing, obviously, and, and the track record she had at Chelsea is just second to none. I mean, just the amount of success that, that she's had with titles and, and championships and whatnot. Um, to me, there really isn't a better hire for the job, and uh, I'm really excited to see what she does. Jamie, can you give us any perspective as someone who maybe had one eye on the Women's Super League of how she did at Chelsea and what she brings as a manager that could be um, different in what the the Lady Yanks need right now? I think, yeah, what Rachel really said there with how dominant she's been with Chelsea, the amount of titles speaks for itself. And looking at this season in particular, I think it's already safe to say with how good a team they are that they've 
pretty much got one hand on the title. Arsenal uh, beating Man City today, but still, in general, neither of those two teams are really good enough to match the consistency that Chelsea show year in, year out. And I think um, in uh, at the Arsenal City game, interestingly, Farrell Williams said at halftime, if um, possible, it would have been great for Emma Hayes to manage England, which I think is true, although Serena Wiegmann's done such a good job, it would have been so good to have the best English manager manage England and it feels quite a quite a painful one to see her go to the US but no she is she is deserving of it she's been at Chelsea for over a decade now so you can imagine even when you're that successful you probably want a fresh start at some point and not a bad place to go and do it with obviously the US and all the history and heritage they've got with the US and the women's game. Well said there. So it is the Emma Hayes era that we have now at the United States Women's National Team. Who knows, Jamie, maybe in, what, eight, nine months' time, maybe we'll be talking about an England versus U.S. final in the Olympics. We'll certainly see what that looks like. But I think that'll do it for us, folks. I think we throw it to last words. Uh, Rachel, throw it to you first. Last words. Um, Just last words. Uh, folks, don't forget to tune in for the NWSL Championship on Saturday, um, November 11th. It's going to be a great game. Um, I'm looking forward to tuning in. I will not be making the trip out to um, San Diego, but Godspeed and safe travels to all my colleagues and friends who are going. Um, and then just, uh, yeah, enjoy the game. And, and I'm going to talk for a second about Icarus FC. So friends, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price with the motto, any design you want. Seriously, let them help you create your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And yes, I just read all of that without looking. That is how I am. I know the Icarus FC off the top of my head. That's how we do it here. Last word on soccer. All right, uh, Jamie, last words. I'm just piggy- piggybacking off of that with the NWSL thing on. I'll be rooting if they get to the final one for OL Reign. I think it'd be great to see Megan Rapino bow out on a high. And then um, also, I guess I'll plug um, a week ago or so now, I interviewed Jacob Jackson, who's uh, had a tough time of it in the first playoff game for the Revs, but uh, who's looked very solid since coming into the team. And it's great laugh, uh, really nice guy. And um, yeah, really enjoyed interviewing him. So check out that on the website. Excellent stuff. Um, I guess for uh, my last words now, um, I'll start with those and then I'll do the ad reads that I have after that. Um, Jamie, you informed us as well that uh, this will be your last season with Last Word on Soccer. I do not think this will be your last podcast with us because obviously we want to do that through the end of the playoffs and hopefully the revolution give us something to talk about. Climactic, even if it is ultimately disappointing. So I just want to thank the, you know, the efforts that you've done to the site. It's been great for me as, you know, an editor or manager at time of the site to see you grow as a writer and grow as a person and really excited to see what comes up for you next. Obviously, it won't be involved with us, but nothing but the best. And if there's anything that we can do to support, if, you know, somehow a letter of recommendation from an engineer in Denver, Colorado, who spoke to you from a few times from a seven hour time zone away will help you in terms of getting a job in the journalism media space in England. I'd be happy to lend that towards you. But Jamie, I do wanted to ask, there was a bit of a viral moment for your Plymouth Argyle a couple weeks ago when it was revealed the fines that they had for 
players. I will link to a Daily Mail article in the show notes to this and everything talking about fines, uh, 50 quid for being late to training, 200 quid for being late to a match day. There's a number of other ones there about not cleaning things or not wearing flip-flops in the shower, about your phones, which I think is absolutely fantastic as well. And then maybe one of my personal favorites as well of when it is your birthday and then you don't bring a birthday cake to then have the team celebrate. You still have to bring the cake in, but then there is a fine on the top of that. Jamie, what do you make of all of this? How wonder what, what what do you what do you think about this as an Argyle fan? Um, and how much fun, how much of a chuckle did you get out of this when the news came out? Yeah, I think there's always talk of various fines for for teams in football, especially in like the Premier League. You hear of thousands and thousands of pound fines, and it feels a lot more real when we're talking about fifty pound and a hundred pound fines. Uh, a lot more relatable, I think. You know, it's it's just it's just a good bit of fun, I'm sure. But um, no, it's all's going well with the club at the moment. There's no complaints, and um, hopefully that's keeping everyone in in check and with the discipline. Yes, uh, it's a twenty quid fine plus having to then bring in the cake if you forget to bring in the cake on a birthday. And then I'm not sure what the context is here, Jamie. But at the bottom we've got the the really expensive ones. Let me if I just scroll through. So. Late for a match day is 200 quid, but like to your point, Jamie, there's a number of these fines that are more reasonable dollar valuations and then therefore more relatable. Uh, not showing up for a player appearance, 100 quid, I think that's fairly reasonable. And then not singing is 250 quid. I'm not sure what the context for that is. If it's singing with the supporters after a win or if the team decides to sing or if this is like a karaoke night thing or something and then no show on christmas or on a team night out is 250 quid i'm not sure what this money actually goes to but i hope if you miss the christmas party it goes to the next team's night out 250 quid could get you a lot in plymouth certainly but so i want to thank our other sponsors listeners i want to start by giving a big shout out to athletic greens their signature ag1 formula is a perfect is perfect for daily nutrition and gut health support ag1 solves two of the most important health needs that you have the nutrition that your body needs for every single day and building the foundation for long-term gut health together they will help fuel your entire body and this can impact everything from your sleep to your digestion energy mood immunity skin hair and nails as well follow the link below in our show notes in the description uh, to get started today with ag1 and then thank you to our other sponsor roughneck scarves they are an official scarf supplier of mls usl and nwsl and u.s soccer merchandise get your custom scarves your group or team at roughneck scarves i have to assume there's an emma hayes scarf somewhere in there in the u.s soccer section that will do it for us folks we will see you hopefully not in a month i know we've had some difficulties scheduling these episodes over the course of the last couple weeks but now that we're getting to the business end of the section certainly we'll see you before the conference finals of the mls cup playoffs we'll see you then